Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. We see a lot more electric heating in the energy transition, and we talk about it regularly on this podcast. Much of this will come from heat pumps, air to water, ground to water, air to air, and more. But if we look at the electric heating landscape across Europe today, direct electric heating makes up the vast majority of the landscape. Direct electric heating's one-to-one electricity-to-heat ratio is no match for heat pumps ratio of 2.5 to 1, 3 to 1, 4 to 1. But electric heating does come at lower cost and with greater simplicity. Today, we're talking with two companies active in the direct electric heating space with their roots in that area, but both with recent developments and innovative twists to standard direct electric heating. Together, as always, with one of my colleagues from Delta EE. So let's say hello. First, Mario Tronto from Tessie, one of Europe's leading producers of electric heaters and also heat pump water heaters. Hello, Mario. Mario, my guess is some of our listeners won't have heard of Tessie. So could you give a quick introduction, a few facts and figures about who you are? Yes, for sure. Tessie is a company that has been established in 1993 by two brothers, Kurchev, and the company is located in Bulgaria. The headquarters are in Sofia, and the four production factories and the R&D team is in Schumann, close to the Black Sea. Okay. The main products are electrical water heaters, panel convectors, indirect heated water tanks, and heat pumps. Okay. Actually, uh, Ma- Mario, are the, are the heat pumps quite a, a new addition? Were the roots in direct electric heating? And have you added heat pumps, or have you had heat pumps for a long time? No, we ju- actually, I joined the company three years ago, and my task is uh, to bring this range of product inside Tesi. Okay. Because, because the owner has a clear idea that the heat pump represents, uh, uh, let's say, the future product for Tesi. Because okay. uh, sooner or later, the electrical water liters will decrease their presence in the Europe in terms of numbers, and they will be gradually replaced by the heat pump water liters, both for water, domestic water, and for eating space. So okay. this is a clear grid line of the company to introduce in their product portfolio the heat pump, and they, let's say, I'm leading this uh, this change inside Tesi. Okay, well, that's or, not... Or not... I try to, at least. <laughs> that's nice in a way to be part of the future, well, part of today and the future. Um, Mario, you're ba- you said you're based in Bulgaria, but... Where, how widespread are Tessie active? Where are your main markets or how, how many markets are you covering? Well, uh, at the moment we are selling, we are present in uh, 55 different markets as a sales mm-hmm. and in four continents. We are a sister company owned by Tesi in uh, Russia, in Bangladesh, in uh, Spain, in Greece and uh, in former Yugoslavia and in Ukraine. And uh, we are also thinking to establish other companies in other countries. But okay. Tesi is, let's say, the 85% of the turnover Tesi is made out of uh, Bulgaria. 
Okay. Um, thanks, Mario. We'll come back to you shortly. Um, my second guest is Rafael Mayo, uh, CEO and co-founder at Landsea Energy Storage. Hello, Rafael. Hello. Good morning. Glad to be here. Uh, thanks for joining. Raphael, uh, listeners in France may know of Lancy, but outside of France, maybe not. So likewise, can you give us um, an elevator pitch for Lancy, please? Yeah, sure. So we're a young uh, SME based in Grenoble in France. We want to promote the direct heating in uh, the different configurations that would be useful for the building of the future, which is uh, in self-consumption with the help of uh, PV panels or PV panel installed on the rooftop or in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And our core product is an electric heater with a battery storage inside and a microinverter. The idea is to replace the old generation direct heater by a new generation one with more sensors, with more intelligence for the piloting. And with this storage capacity that can be useful at the house level in self-consumption to do a peak off peak, time of use terrification, mm -hmm. but also at the scale of the grid uh, with the, the so-called smart grid and the development of flexibility that can both help new business models and bring additional services to the energy suppliers, but also uh, to the to the to resilient uh, 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 energy communities that can be one way of, uh, of going forward to the to the carbon neutral transition. Okay, and how you said Lancy is a, a relatively young company. How young? And can you give a listener's idea for are you on the market? How many units are you selling? What stage in your growth are you at? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we we had our fifth uh, birthday this summer, so we're still relatively young. We're active mainly in France right now. We have sold about two thousand units uh, with the different generations of uh, of radiators. But we are actually very interested into collaboration with like with large sorry uh, manufacturers uh, like Tesi is. Uh, we do have already one partnership in uh, Canada with mm -hmm. uh, the leader uh, in in Canada for electric heater, which is Telco Design. The yep. idea of developing a, a under license uh, a, a, a co-developed product to fulfill the, the needs of uh, of the local market and to be produced by the by the manufacturer itself so okay. we have plenty of ambitious and we have ambitions sorry as we consider indeed as you said john during your preliminary talk that the direct heater is clearly one part of the of the carbon neutral heating system of the future yeah okay thanks um thanks rafael we'll come back to you shortly and last but not least my delta ee colleague katrin cooper hello katrin hi john Catherine, I, I mentioned at the beginning that uh, electric, direct electric is a big part of the European landscape, but can you just unpack that a little bit more? If we look across Europe at all electric heating today, what does that look like in broad terms? Yeah, so I'll maybe talk about installed base, how many are installed, and I'll, I'll talk about a few product categories. So one is electric water heaters. So that's the got the largest installed base across Europe. Around 80 million homes have an, a direct electric, um, an electric water heater. And when I'm talking about Europe, I'm talking geographically. So I'm including Russia and Ukraine in there yeah. as well. Um, next is direct electric heating. So that's got about 60 million homes mm -hmm. um, across Europe. And then finally, le lower installed base, but with real growth potential is heat pumps. So 
So air-to-air heat pumps used for heating. That's about um, 40 million homes across Europe um, have have those installed. And then air-to-water heat pumps, about 6 million. Okay. And geography-wise, people, our listeners may know countries like France, where electric heating is, is quite big and established. But are those numbers clumped in particular countries or quite widely distributed? Any particular patterns or trends to pick out there? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Eastern Europe, I think, is is definitely um, a, a region um, of note with as regards um, electric heating. So uh, they have a really uh, high share of electric water heaters, mainly because there's, there's a high share of um, homes with wood stoves, um, okay. coal boilers, and then they have the electric water heaters alongside, but also district heating alongside district heating networks, whether they may use district heating only for space heating or it's an aging network, and then they have the electric water heaters alongside. So that's an important market, I think. Um, The second one is Scandinavia. So Norway has a really high share of direct electric heating, and then Sweden actually has one of the highest penetrations of heat pumps, air-to-water heat pumps uh, in Europe. Around 20% of their their heating is, is heat pumps. I, think. I always think it's fascinating how you've got two countries right next door to each other. Uh, you'd think they'd be quite similar, Norway and Sweden, but very, very different in how they heat their homes. It's fascinating, isn't it? The, yeah. the differences across Europe. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, okay, well... Uh, most of the attention when we talk about electric heating is on heat pumps. And Mario, that's an area you're in charge in, an up-and-coming area. But um, those figures, I think, really bring home that that installed base, and maybe a lot of that will become heat pumps, but some will stay direct, heat, direct electric. It's still a big market. Um, in terms of trends, how, how quickly is it changing, Catherine, when you look across Europe? Uh, are we inching forward or... Well, that's a bit uh, imperial measurements, maybe for our metric listeners, centimeter forward, um, or are we racing forward and really transforming that installed base? Yeah, and I, th- I think it depends when you look across the product categories. So for um, products such as heat pumps, I think we are expecting really quite significant and fast fast growth over the, over the coming decade. So air-to-air heat pumps, they've already got quite a significant installed base in certain markets. It's already quite fast growing. Yeah. So in France, Spain, Italy, um, and we expect that you know as the the heating capabilities of air-to-air heat pumps become better known, that they and, and cooling demand increases, that this will this will further increase. Um, for air-to-water heat pumps, I think it's going to be you know a combination of new build regulations tighter restrictions on gas um, in retrofit that will really help to bolster heat pump growth over the next decade. So those are the areas I think we need to keep a a close eye on. In terms of other product categories, so electric water heaters, there's already a really sizable installed base at the moment. And I think there is opportunity for that to, um, to change slightly, but I think more or less the the um, sales will remain stable over the yeah. next decade. There might be, you know, more room for domestic hot water heat pumps, um, more um, modern products, but more or less to stay the same. Okay. Well, we can unpick that a bit as we go. Uh, thanks for that uh, scene setting, Catherine. Um, Mario and Raphael, I'd like to ask you a bit about innovation. Um, 
the heating sector has been quite a conservative sector. Um, Mario, from your perspective, you're being brought into Tessie to try and drive the growth of a new type of product, quite different to Tessie's existing products. Um, Raphael, your whole company is innovating in terms of your product. Um, and where your where that innovation culture comes from. So maybe first start with Mario. Um, it was interesting looking at Tess's website when I was preparing for this podcast. Innovation is one of the three core values of Tessie. Um, and can you just talk a little bit about how that manifests itself? So in what ways does Tessie innovate and how does it create this innovation culture um, that is talked about? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's say it is not easy to be innovative in a product like a panel convector because it's a, such a simple product. But yeah. Tessie was the first company to sell in Europe a panel con- convector controlled by Wi-Fi. So okay. you can decide it while coming home to increase the temperature of your room and uh, enter, let's say, um, a very warm house. But uh, this year, due to the COVID situation, we also uh, modify one of the, our best products controlled by Wi-Fi with um, implementing an uh, UV lamp to kill bacteria and fungi and viruses. So we call AirSafe uh, uh, Fineco Clouds. This is a panel convector that can also reduce dramatically the percentage of virus and bacteria in the heated ambient. Okay. So it is um, a simple combination by UV and temperature. And uh, let's say is a very uh, simple solution also for end users because uh, this panel converter can be easily fitted into a room for eating the room and also for hygienic the room. We think that is a simple solution that can have its future. And how, yeah. Mario, how does, how does Tessie create the environment for these kind of ideas? And... Um, I'm quite, you know, manufacturing companies are quite a large manufacturing company. Its essence is make, keeping things simple, producing them in high volume. Um, the innovation culture of that can be quite difficult. So how do you create that culture or are there any observations as to how Tessie moves quite quickly with these sorts of products? I think this is due to the owner, Zetko Kurchev, because this is one of the guidelines, one of the points of the company to be innovative. Because it is very easy to make, let's say, a kind of mistake when when you produce in a country like Bulgaria with very low cost labor market and to Mm. produce only for cost. But this is not uh, the idea of the owner because we must be innovative. We must offer to the market the best technology, the best solution in terms of functionality, in terms of efficiency and design to compete to the big uh, company already present on the market before Tesi. Because if we play only, uh, let's say, on the cheap products, this is not the future because, uh, you know, uh, if mm. you are innovative, you will survive in the coming years in which uh, the general situation of Bulgaria will change and will be the same as the other countries in Europe. Yeah. So innovative is something that is in DNA of the Tesi and uh, we are pushed. Of course, to get idea. We need, um, we believe in the strong cooperation with our partner. I mean, partner like suppliers first, yeah. but also customers, 
And also our team, we have a company that employs people from, uh, I think, 11 or 12 different countries. So when we meet each other, we bring the idea from Spain, from Russia, from, uh, um, not from UK at the moment, but we will try, also from Bangladesh. And, yeah. you know, they are quite completely different because it, when you talk with uh, this, uh, these colleagues, uh, they say, ah, but my market is special. Of course, every market yeah. is special. <laughs> this is not doubt about it. But it's important uh, to discuss about it and uh, to get the uh, idea from this discussion. And we got it. But okay. I think that the main source is uh, made by our suppliers. It's important. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I'd like to come back to heat pumps, the innovation when it comes to heat pump water heaters. But let's, uh, Raphael, if I'd like to ask you first with Lancy, you're a small company very innovative idea of electric heating with a small battery and microinverters. Where did that come from? Uh, was that a, a brainwave? Was it uh, an idea that came to you? Did you t tell us a bit about where the inspiration came from? And also, how did you validate that? Because there are lots of good ideas that don't go anywhere, but um, very interested to hear where that where the idea came from. Um, so as um, as Mario told, it's um, <clears throat> really a, a mixture of uh, of culture, of uh, scientific backgrounds, that uh, that generated this uh, this idea. Uh, personally speaking, I did uh, I did uh, my PhD in uh, photovoltaics, mm -hmm. so uh, I, I was really in, in, in into the field of, uh, of photovoltaics and especially on the, the development of uh, of solutions at the house level, uh, and of course uh, in uh, in self consumption. So that brings directly to the to the question of uh, of storage. So at this stage, uh, nothing really new. So why uh, why the why the, the heating? It's just the fact that uh, uh, a battery storage actually by itself uh, loses uh, a part of its energy in the form of heat, uh, and that can go to 30, 40 percent, even more if you take lead acid uh, batteries. The yield is not that good. Uh, and of course, uh, it can uh, reduce uh, the the return to to the time of return on investment, uh, the efficiency, and even the, uh, the 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 how how useful it is to to use uh, to use storage. If you lose 30, 40 percent of the stored uh, electricity, of course, uh, mm. is it really meaningful for the for the energy transition? So the idea was simply to try to recover uh, this. Uh, uh, these uh, losses and uh, how can you uh, valorize the, the losses of a battery well just associating the battery with a system that 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 uh, that needs uh, heating that needs the generation of, uh, of heat and of course thinking that way uh, this a bit uh, contradictory uh, uh, association uh, storage plus uh, battery comes uh, comes naturally so the idea at the beginning was just an engineering solution uh, mm. to a simple engineering solution to a, to a massive problem, which is the, the yield of the batteries. And the good thing is, um, and that's a bit, uh, uh, that can be, uh, I hope, uh, inspiring for any innovators, uh, is really uh, uh, keeping uh, to the exploration of all the aspects of an idea, because you never know uh, what, what can be, uh, how wide can be an idea, uh, even if it seems uh, very simple at the beginning. Because yeah, right, right. Raphael, what surprised you on your journey then? Uh, if you're encouraging people to sort of keep their uh, perspectives open, have you taken different directions? Have you changed course? Did you come across things that meant mm -hmm. you uh, implemented this in a different way from how you thought you would? 
Well, the initial idea and the first patent that we have deposited actually is um, it's uh, it's quite robust still right now. Uh, the the intuitions were 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 good. What uh, in terms of technology, I mean, then of course what we what we didn't know really was the complexity of the of the market, uh, how segmented it is. Uh, it can be a relatively conservative market uh, with a lot of uh, uh, restriction uh, regulations uh, and uh, and um, and many many uh, many aspects of course which are which are relatively complicated for for a young for a young company. Then of course we had some. Uh, uh, we had some intuitions uh, that uh, that are still valid today, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, a bit more complex to to deploy. For instance, the valorization of the grid services, the demand response mechanisms. For instance, yeah. we we believe that it could be uh, uh, faster to to be implemented at uh, at Lancé at a very small uh, scale. Yeah. So, uh, but we we still believe that uh, it will be part of our business model in the coming years. But uh, we we thought it would it would have been faster, so that's one that's one example, uh, and then uh, uh, then uh, we we will see uh, we we do have a roadmap of uh, of products for for the for the next generation, and uh, of course we we carefully follow all the evolution of um, of uh, uh, building certification all the all the certification around the building and yeah. the, cri- the criteria that the, that the new building has to fulfill to be uh, to be constructed because we consider that it can be a very good driver of innovation actually constraint is a good driver to innovation yeah and what about getting I'd like to ask both of you about getting your products into market um, maybe Mario first you with your, your heat pump water heater. Uh, it's a new product for Tessie. Could you use the same channels as you had for your direct electric products? Did you have to create different channels? Um, how did that? How did that experience turn out? Well, uh, let's say that the the present channels we use for the standard product can be used also for heat pump. Yeah. But for sure, there are new channels that we are not normally in contact with because uh, they are not uh, our, uh, let's say, traditional customers. And also, there are new companies that can be our customers that are brand new company. For instance, in Italy, the subsidies are 110% has uh, generated a lot of new companies that offer to the customers a complete service. I mean, they offer all the paperwork, authorization, installation, and payback. And this kind of company are relative new on the on the on the market, and I target yeah. this one. And I, my rule in the company is also to teach my colleague, the head of regions, to look for this kind of opportunity out of the traditional channels, because uh, this company has not so, uh, let's say, uh, traditional oriented for the standard product for the standard brand. They look for efficient mm-hmm. product. They look for good service, and uh, they look for, um, let's say. The product itself, not the brand. So and you've got to be quite, you've got to be quite reactive then to these new channels emerging. Um, do you think that trend will carry on? Do you think over the next years you will see lots more of these new types of companies, new channels in different markets? Well, now this company was born, were born because of the subsidies mainly. Yeah, but I think this is a winning. Uh, idea i mean you want to build your house your new house or refurnish your your flat 
and about eating or about installing renewable appliances, you can refer to one company only. Because what happened some years ago, you go to the plumber, to the electrician, they offer you yeah. the PV, somebody offer you the heat pump, somebody offer you something. But to have a company that is focused on renewable appliances, starting from the PV, uh, the batteries, uh, the heat pump, and all of this kind, and they can offer you the fully support. I mean, the paperwork, the authorization, mm. and mm. also the loan. Because actually now in Italy, if you refurbish your house and you can improve the efficiency class of your house of two steps, you get back with a certain limit, but it's very high, 110% of your investment. Actually, That's you amazing, can, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Actually, you can change windows to make the coat, install PV, install heat pump yeah. for a total value of around 250,000 euro. And you can maybe pay some... 10,000 or 5,000 euros, nothing compared to the value of the house because people now must be convinced about this solution. And of course, with constraint, but also with subsidies, you can push it. And then my idea is that um, this innovation must be led by example. When you see Mm. your neighbor doing this, you you become curious and you are really touching the solution. And your neighbor can tell you, hey, guy, I'm spending less than 800 euro per year in my house for eating the house, no. water, and electricity, and so on. And you are spending three or four times more. So it's something that um, I think could be really um, make the difference in the future. Yeah, yes. yeah and you've got to be quite um, reactive and dynamic in terms of your customers, as you described. Um, so looking at new channels. Raphael, you've not had any channels, channels to take, to take well, well, of course, as a, as a startup, we have to, um, to start by, uh, by new channels. Uh, and uh, let's say the more uh, complicated ones, like is uh, the do-it-yourself shop with uh, different layers of, uh, of uh, intermediates, of distributors, etc., etc., can be very complex uh, in terms of uh, market penetration. So we have begun with uh, direct sales, uh, mainly B2B, with a relatively limited number of, uh, of players like social landlords or public mm-hmm. authorities. And uh, right now, what we really believe in, and it goes in the same direction of what uh, Mario says, is uh, um, package offers that can be pro- proposed by both energy suppliers uh, and much more are going into that. The idea is simple. Uh, just producing and selling the electron uh, is not that profitable uh, if it's not profitable at all uh, right now, uh, especially in a country like uh, like France. Uh, is If as an energy supplier you want to be profitable, you have to bring additional services to the end user. And of course, uh, what makes the energy pro- consumption can be a, can be a, a good service and the retrofit operations, etc., etc., with uh, why not the financial uh, services to uh, to get the loan uh, for the installation, etc. Uh, that's one uh, one part, and the other part is also working on, um, let's say, as a service offer. Uh, the idea being, if we avoid uh, independent independently from the from the incentives, but if we can avoid the investments threshold uh, by uh, a monthly fee. Uh, which pays for the installation, but monthly fee, which is below that the economy, that the proven economy of energy, well, 
you 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 are everyone everyone is winning so we, we really believe that that kind of offers which are complex to 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 provide uh, you have to be very perfectly organized in terms of value chain for the installation for the initial diagnosis to get uh, all the uh, economy of energy certificate so you have really to to get a perfect process but a couple of companies in europe right now are, are emerging uh, with that kind of business model and uh, we consider that uh, we can help uh, as uh, we have a, a solution that for retrofit is very simple to install, but I can bring additional services. We consider that we can go at this uh, at this cornerstone, and uh, and uh, we we believe that it can be a way of uh, uh, avoiding what we could call uh, the yellow jacket effect. Uh, yeah. uh, that can that is clearly a, uh, an enemy of the energy transition. Is people yeah. getting trapped uh, into uh, an old uh, energy equipment? Very costly on the on a monthly basis, and that uh, avoids any kind of uh, investment possibility into a new system. Then, yeah. if the in- incentive system is not there, you're you're trapped, and and of course, uh, people will will be against any uh, increasing of energy prices, of carbon taxes, etc., etc., and, and and the the carbon neutral society will be hard to reach. Well, you, you both have given really interesting examples there of a similar business model that as a service business model. Mario in Italy with companies taking care of the installation, the paperwork, everything. Slightly different twists on it, uh, but making things simpler and easier for the for the final customer. Often these depend on the right policies being in place. Um, Catherine, you mentioned at the beginning that a lot of uh, direct electric heatings in Eastern Europe. How quickly do you see policies there pushing to maybe heat pumps rather than direct electric or replacing really inefficient heating systems with more efficient systems? Yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting question. And as always, it's looking at what's happening in retrofit and then what's happening in, in new build. And in new build, there are some instances where we're seeing um, more um, incentive for heat pump installations because the new build regulations have been tightened um, and they're restricting gas boiler only installs, for yeah. example. And Poland is a really good example of that. Um, and then on the retrofit side, most of the markets do have subsidies in place for heat pumps. Mm. So they're reducing the, the the cost of an upfront install heat pump. Mm. A little bit like what Mario was saying um you know, well, it's certainly not big enough, um, as big as, as in Italy. And um, there is still something for the consumer to pay. So they're only really going in in small amounts. In yeah. retrofit. And okay. I think it kind of fits into a, a wider story for Eastern Europe, which is that Eastern Europe is undergoing an energy transition, but it's not towards um, electric, as in parts of, of Western Europe. It's more moving away from coal and onto uh, cheaper and uh, cleaner gas, other fuels. Yeah. Okay. So different dimensions that change from maybe very old energy to uh, to gas, and then in some cases from, from gas to electric. Um, Raphael and Mario, time's getting the better of us. So very briefly, what are the next two or three markets you've got your eyes on for your products uh rafael starting with you um give us an example of two or three countries where you'd like to take lance's product to in in europe next well uh thank you of course uk is um is a very interesting market 
there is um, uh, with the eco program uh, uh, mechanisms for a new technology that, that can be tremendously accelerated mm -hmm. in terms of market penetration. So that's interesting for that. Uh, UK market is also quite um, um, attractive for for innovation in in yeah. general. It's a it's a market which is relatively tolerant for innovation, less conservative than other markets. And also, uh, there is a there is a legacy park of uh, direct heater and accumulation heater, uh, relatively important, uh, and also uh, different uh, uh, kind of uh, houses initially that were in in feed-in tariff in mm -hmm. terms of PV, and that could be retrofitted to uh, uh, to self-consumption. So okay. that brings um, the different uh, clues in a way that uh, UK could be uh, very promising for us and. Uh, we are following different kind of um, of programs, especially with energy suppliers, yeah. To, yeah. Uh, to to get developed there, uh, and um, we are also uh, uh, analyzing uh, countries more in south of Europe, uh, and especially a, a country like Italy, uh, where you have a enlightenment which is uh, very high, so a PV production pot yeah. potential which is very high as well. And also uh, a high cost of electricity, uh, almost as uh, as expensive that, as uh, as Germany. So uh, that could be, of course, a very uh, very promising uh, very promising market as well. Okay. We we will be uh, sooner or later in Germany. We want to be uh, in Germany. We know that it can be a complex country in terms of market penetration. But uh, starting by not anymore niche markets, uh, fortunately, like PV uh, installation markets. Uh, but still relatively specialized compared to the, the whole heating spectrum, uh, we, we, we consider that we can, uh, that we can establish a, a position and, and be useful to the, to the overall ecosystem of installators, of installers. Okay. UK, UK, Italy, Germany, plenty of you to go out there, uh, some, some big markets. Rafa, uh, Mario, in terms of your, particularly your heat pump water heaters, um, what are the next markets you've got your eyes on? Okay. Speaking about uh, the heat pump for domestic hot water, we are already, let's say, selling all around Europe with um, low quantity in France. But in France is, a, let's say, a protective market. You need to apply for additional approval if you want to sell the subsidies. And uh, if you do not produce in France, you know you have to pay royalties to enter. So, or you have the chance to sell big quantities, otherwise uh, you cannot compete with the local producer. But yeah. anyway, we are present all around Europe. But the most important step we want uh, to do is uh, to start uh, to add to our portfolio the residential multifunctional heat pump. I mean, the heat pump for heating and cooling the ambient and also to produce the domestic water. Okay. And uh, for sure, we will start in our domestic market that is Bulgaria because TESI is a synonymous of a quality, quality yeah. and reliability. And uh, in Romania, because it's close to. Uh, at the moment, we are in the phase in which we are selecting the two potential supplier for this product. And also we are working for uh, establish a cooperation with um, another let's say, potential partner for making this product by ourselves. Okay. And uh, I'm sure that um, the real point is to select and to offer the right product because we are talking about continental area in which the, the heat pump is requested to work properly 
till minus 15 or minus 20 mm. with a good performance and not only paper performances. You know, yeah. when you buy something yeah. on paper, is everything is good. When you install it, uh, you can face some trouble. And uh, in, in fact, uh, I, out of my window, I just installed a heat pump, one of the we want to promote, and uh, and I'm performing the field test by myself. And you, and and you, told, me it's minus, you told me it's minus eight outside, so that's a good test for yeah, it. Minus eight <laughs> is okay. I expect minus 15 for January, so I, I'm really curious to see the behavior of the heat pump. But yeah. what I mean is, first of all, we need to select and to offer the right product to the customer and the right service because another yeah. point of the future will not only the product itself but the service people want to have no troubles people want yeah. to sleep without headache so they, they prefer to pay something more but to pay also the service for five years ten years and to have no problem this is really a key point the other point uh, well, sorry uh, if Rafa, i continue uh, is, uh, mario uh, we so I've got to move on to the, the, the crystal ball now. Time is getting the better of us. Um, apologies for that. So this week, I'd like to set the, the Talking New Energy crystal ball to 2026 and ask each of you to limit your answers to 20 seconds, please. So very short and sharp. But in 2026, um, I'd like you to describe one way you'll be innovating on top of what you're already doing today. So in five years, can you give our listeners uh, an example of what, how you think you'll be innovating on top of the ways you are doing so already today? Raphael, let's start with you and keeping it brief, please. Mm -hmm. So by 2026, um, we hope we are working uh, to implement for the first time in the domestic appliance, batteries of uh, electric bikes in second life Okay. energy storage uh, uh, capacity in order to uh, reduce the pressure on, on raw materials uh, associated with, uh, with energy storage. So we, we have already a partnership with, uh, with, uh, with a big partner in, in, in Paris area to, to, to study this. And we would like to industrialize this, uh, this approach, which is of course very complex in terms of regulation and, and, many as and, and supply chain. But that, uh, we, we do hope that we can do this by 2026, clearly. That would be very exciting to see. Um, looking forward to uh, watching that. And Mario, for you, in 20, 30, 20 seconds, one way you'll be innovating on top of the way you are now. Okay, from technology point of view, I led the engineer working on this point. But my idea is to develop the business by uh, example. I mean that the innovation must be contagious. But apart from this, I have a dream. I would like in five years that uh, to be able to supply, to offer to my customers that can be easily connected to the net and control by itself. I mean, the companies must offer something that uh, in spite of any kind of fixed protocol can use and manage the energy produced by the PV or supplied mm. by the net in a clever way. I mean, okay. the house must have a brain that tells to appliances, to the washing machine, to the dishwasher, to the heat pump. Now you you can do it. Please do it. And you have to wait. And so, uh, and so a kind of real domestic, but not hmm. fixed on a standard protocol that every company made its own. Something that so, must be free for yeah, everybody okay. and easy. 
because it must be easy otherwise it doesn't work advanced home energy management with open protocols that would be that would be fantastic <laughs> in five years um this uh, is a dream, you know yeah well i think we'll get there i hope we get there we need to get there um and catherine from you one uh biggest area of innovation with electric heating in the next five years yeah, it's a, it's a big question. I think generally speaking, we're going to see more, um, we're going to see connected electric HVAC becoming the norm in five, year, five years time or so. We're going to see more availability of time of use tariffs um, and then more penetration of electric heating products that have some sort of storage capability so that customers mm. can um, reduce their running costs along used alongside time of use tariffs. Well, that ties it all together very neatly, I think, because we've got uh, from Raphael a um, uh, electric heating with storage. We've got heat pumps from Mario with this uh, vision of an advanced home energy management system. And Catherine, from you, that all responding to time of use tariffs uh, and everything's connected and connectable. So, yeah, I think I'm very excited. I think there's a lot of change happening in the electric heating markets, a lot of innovation. Uh, things will look different in five years. We won't be there at the destination in five years, but there'll be a lot of change that we'll see in the next five years. And thanks to all three of you, Catherine, Mario, Raphael, for sharing your time. And uh, Raphael, Mario, good luck with your innovation activities. The sector needs things to be changing and pushing forward. So wishing you the best of success. Thanks as always to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed that episode and look forward to welcoming you back next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com.